Life's a Mitch. G'day guys, welcome back to another episode of Life's a Mitch. Last week I spoke to the gentleman who hosts the In Your Element podcast, Mr. Aaron, and um, you can check out part one of the conversation on his stream and then part two on mine. So, you know, it's it's a funny in-depth conversation. We talk about all things, you know, storytelling because he does what I do essentially in the Northern Hemisphere. He asked me some funny questions and I absolutely made him laugh so much. So go check that out. He's, the link's in the bio. So this week, going, keeping the international theme going on. So we're going to the United States today and um, focusing more about storytelling. So this uh, this guest popped up on the matchmaker.fm app that I'm so lovely talking about all the time. And I still get asked, is that a Tinder thing or not? It's uh, genuinely not. But um, it's, uh, so without further ado, can I get you to introduce yourself and uh, how you go about storytelling and you know, sort of a little bit about your background, please? Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Mitch. No problem at all. Thank you for coming on. So my name's Heather Roma. Um, I started out as a screenwriter. Uh, my husband and I tried to make some indie films back in the day, and we um, quickly realized that we need a really solid script in order to make a really interesting film. Um, and I realized I had a knack for it. So I'm a self-taught screenwriter. That's where my journey began. Um, and then um, I decided that I was pretty much crap at it <laughs> to begin <laughs> with, and I needed to get better. So my husband came across this um, this course that teaches you how to be a certified screen reader, which is you read other people's screenplays and you do like a deep dive analysis. So you really dive into the story structure and things like that and character and all the different elements that make a really good script. And you analyze you know why and all the different things about screenplay writing so I did that and I ended up reading for film festivals and writing coverages which is the the write-up on a screenplay did that for a few years um feel like I got a little bit better at writing my own stuff after going through all that you know yeah. uh, learning process and um then I um I I sort of realized I wanted to start my own business but I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do I like writing coverages for screenplays a lot, but um, it is it is kind of some brutal work. <laughs> it, it's really time consuming. It's a lot of reading, it's a lot of writing, um, and a lot of finding thing finding good things about scripts that lack a certain goodness. We'll just say. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, I enjoy it, but it wasn't something I wanted to do full time. So I decided um, I was just kind of putting my feelers out for what I wanted to do in the world and kind of connected with the entrepreneurial community some and realized that um, that storytelling and branding was like a big crucial key that a lot of people were missing in, in their businesses and in their messaging and in their brand design. So I kind of delved into that and discovered that there's this whole kind of world of using story structure and telling the story of your business, who your client is, how they got there, that whole thing, and kind of using cinematic story structure to do that in an engaging way. And it kind of connects, you know, you with your ideal person when they hear your story, they can relate to that and it gives you credibility. So I've kind of been delving into that and learning how to my found my niche kind of in telling business stories, entrepreneurial stories um, in a sort of cinematic kind of way. That's epic. I, um, so, you know, as, as opposed to like or rep reputation, credibility is everything. If you want your brand to be out there and sell your product, then, you know, you need good marketing 
I'd imagine I am. I'm by no means a marketing expert. I'm I'm just a guy who drives a whole truck in the mines and talks into a big plastic stick. So, you know, <laughs> I am. Um, I, I should probably hit you up as well. I need. I'm, I'm so I'm new to this. I've been doing this for. Yeah, I'm into my third month. I got to meet JD and Turk from Scrubs two weeks ago, so I've had some moments and stuff. That's and, a uh, highlight. Awesome. Uh, it was really cool. Actually, it was on um this week. I was number one listened to uh, leisure podcast in Australia on Apple Play and third on Spotify. Wow. Just a bit of a humble brag there. No, just kidding. Dude, I I would have been more nervous if I'd known that. <laughs> I I only sort of I still pinching myself and stuff, but it's only because they the Scrubs podcast shouted me out. So I think that's how it happened. And um, but yeah, I think the idea about storytelling, no matter what way it is, like whether it's in the form of branding like you do, or you know, if someone's a an actor, a writer, a, a well, you you know, you're all you're you're all of those except you know, you're a screenwriter as well so like so it's really cool to hear that you you are actually collaborating with lots of people to get their stories out there and to help brand and promote so in that time have you come across any like really cool clients so you can share some interesting stories with us ones you've worked with um every client of mine is cool there you go that was a great answer <laughs> right <laughs> um boy interesting stories um not nothing specific comes to mind other than just I I love the eye-opening experience that I have with clients when they realize um they realize that the the pieces that have been missing from their messaging, you know, when they when they start to really think, because one of the first things we look at is um the kind of hero's journey story structure where, you know, like we'll just use Luke Skywalker because who doesn't know about Luke Skywalker's journey, right? And plus, I'm a big nerd. I I'm a huge nerd. Is that a Powerpuff Girls t-shirt you're wearing as well? It is. Thank That's, you for noticing. That is awesome. Did you actually, <laughs> speaking about Scrubs and Turk, did you hear that he's uh, going to be playing the, the professor in the new CW series coming out? Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's in production now. I think they on the podcast, they said they're filming it, so... There's a live action. So that's live action. I'm, live action I'm trying Girls. to wrap my head around what a live action Powerpuff Girls could possibly look like. Oh, it's uh, it's it's CW shows. So you know the special effects would be decent for television. So yeah, look at us nerding out. That's cool. <laughs> oh, stick Love. with me, and you will you will absolutely inevitably nerd out. <laughs> me too. And the fact um, you've gone with so Star yeah. Wars. So anyway, <laughs> sorry. Oh yeah. Well, you know everybody knows Luke Skywalker. So I mean, the handful of people. On the on the world that haven't watched Star Wars, at yeah. least know who Luke Skywalker is and have an yeah. idea of the story. So anyway, it's the hero's journey where you know he's just he thinks he's just some nobody, and then he gets the call to this big epic thing, and he turns it down because he's you know his aunt and uncle are pressuring him to stay, and you know then something big happens, right? The inciting incident that propels him onto his journey where his the Empire kills his aunt and uncle. And then, you know, he meets the guide, the mentor, which is Obi-Wan, and he guides him through his journey, right? So it's this kind of familiar um, earmarks that we that we see in lots and lots of different stories. And these elements are like, we like, like, even though as viewers, we like unpredictability, we like a certain amount of predictability as well. It makes us feel comfortable, like we kind of like know, we have a sense of what might happen. So in using these kind of things in your storytelling for your brand design, um, you know, you're, you're the hero of your business is not you, but your client. So we take a really deep dive into like, who is your client? 
And what are their pain points? You know, what are they feeling right now? And what is it that you can provide for them? And what makes you the one um, that they should join with? And then how will they feel after that? So like getting, you know, having people really, um, you know, you think about, you think everyone kind of thinks about this thing in general terms, but to really get it down and really get in writing who you're trying to serve, who you're, who you're showing up for in the world, you know, who you're trying to call attention to. Um, it's really a joy for me to see their eyes open. And then, you know, they just, there's like, this is so great to have because like, I can use this, this story, you know, what, what, what I teach is once you get it in written form, then you can put that into visual form as well. So I do also a mood boarding class where you take all the the key uh, words, feelings, all that from your written story, and then put that into visual form in a mood board, which is just a compilation of images, fonts, textures, symbol re- symbols, you know, all that kind of stuff, and just gather it all together and try to create your story in visual form so that any kind of marketing material that you put out will really reflect your story. Yeah, nice. I am. Well, you know, I'm sold, you know, that it's, it's <laughs> definitely the different ways and the different approaches you take to holistically get to where your client wants to go. I mean, how engaging, how good is that? I um, right. I feel confident using, you know, you, but like, have you, have you helped promote any like podcasts or anything, or is it more so um, like businesses that like sell items and stuff like that? This is my first podcast actually. Oh, okay. So I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited about this. Yeah. We're definitely ha- happy to have you on. I mean, this is cool. Like it's, it's, uh, I spoke to a, a lady from uh, South Africa, from Pretoria a few weeks ago. Her name's Lindy and she's, um, she's new to the podcasting world and she's a, she's a sexologist. And um, so I wanted to get her on cause she's got, had an interesting story to tell. And the same was like, she's raw, like in terms of like new at this and like me, and we just sort of, the, the further we conversed um, sharing stories and the more like as, as time went on, we settled the nerves a little bit. And uh, just the content that we come out with, it was absolutely hilarious. And to hear about the different walks of life, like, you know, I went to South Africa today. It's, you know, the United States. I've been to New Zealand, been to London, Zanzibar, all, you know, through a screen, of course. But the one, the one universal thing that connects it all is that we all remember that we've all walked a life for so long and we all have interesting stories to tell. And I think it's, I think it's great the fact that you're putting yourself out there and you're brave to hop on and talk to some random Australian fool (laughs) and um, you know it's to me the most uh, thankful I can be like because time is the one currency you can give but not get back and the fact that you are allowing me time to sit down and chat nerd things and promote your business and you know a little bit about what you do in your you know involvement in storytelling I mean that's what this whole podcast is about so you know I think the listeners will appreciate just how down to earth and and awesome you're coming across so you know if you are thank you you're welcome if you are still nervous then you you don't seem like it you're absolutely smashing it (laughs) thank you that's okay thank you you know part of it I think is finally finding your niche in the world because I, I I started my business two years ago and I struggled because I I knew that you know, I want, there was more that I wanted to do something along the lines that included storytelling, but wasn't necessarily just strictly focused on screenplay writing. And I just, I struggled and looked and looked and searched and I did inner like soul searching work and things like that, you know, to try to 
figure out like what, what really lights me up? Like what's going to make me want to come to the, to the screen every day, you know, so to speak, since it's online business and everything, but you know, what, what is it that's going to get me out of bed and get me here and get me fired up. And it's just, you know, when you finally find that thing, you want to tell everybody about it, you know, Absolutely. even strangers. It's like, Hey, maybe <laughs> I can help you too. You know? Absolutely. I, it's similar for this project because, you know, COVID life and I, it was for me down here, it was, um, you know, we didn't change a lot of things. So like we did go into lockdown for a time, but we, we've been pretty lucky down here in terms of numbers, infection rates and stuff like that. So, and then also like when you start a business, higher risk, higher reward and the, the added stress of going into a pandemic, I'm sure absolutely um, played a, a number in the stress levels, I'm sure. Um, but I think, as you said, if you you find if you're going to spend a, a third or a quarter of your life working and earning money, why not do something that's somewhat enjoyable? Hey, like I, I fully agree with you there. And that's similar to why I started this. It's just a passion project. I love speaking to people. And if I can get a, a, a cheeky giggle out of someone here or there, then it makes it all worthwhile. So my yeah. next my next question to you is, with the screenwriting, um, so you said you, meant, you went to some film festivals, so I'm assuming like Sundance, Cannes, uh, and like those, have you come across like any like really cool movies or really like upcoming films that that absolutely blown out of the box office? Like, what are the, some of the uh, projects that you reviewed and you thought this is going to go gangbusters? Um, you know, I'd like to say I have, but um, most of the reading that I've done, um, I never see what happens to the film after that. So. Like I I've read for, you know, if you read for a film festival, it's just a competition and, you know, there's so many screenplays that get submitted. They have a lot of readers and they're just constantly reading. So you never really, I mean, the chances that you're going to read something that's going to make it into the finals is, is slim to none, you know? Um, so I, I don't really, there isn't anything that I've read that was like, you know, produced even that I'm aware of at this point. Um, but it is amazing just the amount of people who are screenwriters or at least are trying to be screenwriters out there. I mean, talk about everybody has a story to tell. I mean, there are just thousands and thousands and thousands of submissions to festivals like these. I mean, just thousands of them. And, um, it's just, it's amazing. Just the sheer number of people who just feel like they have the story to tell and they're whatever way they can, they're going to get it out there. You know, it's pretty admirable. Yeah. Nice. So, you know, also I like to deep dive and, you know, get to know people before they were, you know, doing what they do now professionally. So for you, where did the love of storytelling sort of begin? Like, is it back to when you were a kid or in your teenage years? When did you discover that you like to sit down and read and like take in the stories of people? You know, I'm just, I've never been one of those people that just always knew what they wanted to do. I've been kind of a late bloomer in that sense. Um, the first time I, I think I really, that sparked um, was a, I would just took a creative writing class in college and um I thought, you know, there's something here. Like I, I just took it as an elective just to kind of get another credit, you know? Um, but, I, but I was like, there, there was a seed planted there that I was like, I just really had fun doing it. I had to write poetry for the first time ever and, and you know, short stories and different things like that. And um, I just found it really enjoyable. And I felt like I was kind of good at it for never having taken a stab at it before. And um And then, like I said, when my husband and I started trying to make some indie films, um, it just, I was just like, this is like a real art, like the, the idea of 
showing, don't tell, you know, show, don't tell when you write a screenplay, you, you just have to like, it's a whole different um, craft than, than is if you would write in like in a novel or something like that, where you can say what people are thinking. And like, you can't in a screenplay, you can't say what people are thinking because you can't show that. Right. So, I mean, it just really, um, it really piqued my interest. And I, I just started reading books on screenplay writing because I was like, I'm going to nail this one way or the other. I got to figure this thing out. It's just the coolest. That's awesome. So what, for those of us who are, you know, aren't initiated in the entertainment industry in any way, what, what is like, what elements make a good screenplay? You know, what, what, what are the like characteristics one, a good one needs in your opinion? First of all, I would say fascinating characters, because if we don't care about the people who are involved, we're not going to continue watching. Right. Absolutely. Uh, fascinating characters who have, you know, they don't necessarily even have to be likable per se. They just have to have some kind of compelling, you know, conflict or something going on that makes us go, Ooh, you know, that's interesting. Um, so if you can give them, you know, quirks and different things that they, you know, different things that make them unique, that's even better. But um, fascinating characters is a really, really big one. Uh, and then a, a common thing that I've found lacking in a lot of screenplays that I read was um, like, what's the theme, you know, like I, for me, I like the kind of movies that really have emotional impact, right? Like it's okay to do the transformers thing where it's just a really fun ride with a lot of special effects. But for me, my favorite movies are the ones that really just have an emotional impact and they leave you kind of different than when you started the film so um instead of just you know this happens then this happens and this person does this you know like what what does that all mean like what are you trying to kind of say is there is there an overarching like kind of point to all of this you know yep so those are my those are my top two things no worries so you know you talk about like moments that absolutely shake you to your core and you and you look at it going (gasps) And is that a Star Wars glass? Sorry. <laughs> it really is. You noticed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. The last, yeah, episode eight. I think, it, I think I saw. Yeah. Porg. Yeah, is that what they're called? Porg? Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, okay, sorry, I digress. So <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> I, one of the, so it, it appears to me that you are a fellow nerd, so which is awesome. 100%. I, so I like to ask nerds two questions, but just to just to sort of talk about what you were saying about invest like an interesting story and moments that captivate you. The first one for me that comes to mind is the snap at the end of Infinity War and you're looking going, "Oh my lord, you know, everyone is gone. These 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 ballsy mofos over at Marvel just absolutely ripped your heart out. Yes, they did. <laughs> and it, so, you know, something like that is just it, it you, they knew they they knew they owned the market, and you had nothing else to do but watch the sequel. Um, you're like, we've got them here. You know, they have to come back and watch. And you know, yeah, for as our long heroes as I- didn't win. They no. didn't accomplish the mission. It was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> We're yeah. so used to seeing them, you know, victorious in the end. It was just like. <laughs> what? The big, the big muscly grimace took him away from us. You bastard. <laughs> 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 so, so one one thing I like to ask is cast your mind back to whenever you realized you were a fan of the genre. What was your first or one of the first ever fandoms that sort of got you into this realm of of nerddom and geekdom and whatever or however you want to put it? Oh my god, I'm going to be dating myself big time. 
<laughs> when you asked me this, um, my first introduction to anything sort of comic related was um, my husband and I were dating at the time, and this was in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he used to um, bring me back to the apartment after um, college, and we would watch the old X Men cartoons and love it in uh, Batman. Uh, Batman animated. Um, I'm trying to think what else, like Spider-Man, <laughs> all those cartoons. We just spent hours watching cartoons. <laughs> There's that nothing wrong with that. that. <laughs> yeah, that was my introduction. He He's super into the comics, like reading the comics, and he's a collector. Um, I haven't delved that deeply. I've read a few things like the Dark Phoenix saga I read because I wanted to go right to the comics for that one because that's such a great storyline. But yeah. um, for me, my introduction was in cartoons. That's awesome. I, yeah, I'm a, my, one of my first was uh, anime. Uh, so I'm into comics as well. I love The Flash, all things Barry Allen. He mm. will ever be my hero. Or Dad Bod Thor because I'm a bit Dad Bod myself. So. And he's Australian, <laughs> so he's representing. But Absolutely. Um, I yeah, my first one was uh, was anime. I was a kid. I was you know I grew up in the eighties and nineties as well. Oh sorry, you were in, you know dating at that point, but I was born in the eighties, and uh, all through the nineties, early two thousands, I was a big like anime manga fan. Dragon Ball Z got me out of many hours of like just what do I do now? Oh, there's more Dragon Ball Z to watch. This is cool. <laughs> And in the age where you couldn't just stream whatever you wanted on demand, you oh. know, I used to ride my push bike to the local Video Easy or Blockbuster and uh, try and find a VHS so I could watch. <laughs> no, oh, we had it rough, didn't we? <laughs> Kids of today, if you, you don't know, you know, dial up internet, v, VHS tapes. That was all the craze. It was, it was absolutely nuts. So we've got an eight-year-old daughter and I was trying to explain to her the other day that, you know, when daddy and I were little, like we didn't have a choice of what to watch. It was like just a few channels on television, or if you were lucky, we got to get a VHS. <laughs> she's like, what's a VHS? Like she, it just does not compute with her. Speaking code to me, I don't understand. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, we're having a conversation with a friend of mine and he come up with conversation about like pandemic times and he said imagine going through this like when we were kids i mean yes you had the phone you could have called people but imagine having this happen with all this or without all this connectivity means we have today i mean i never thought of that oh my god i would have struggled yeah that would have been brutal i am well that that took a dark turn i apologize So how's okay? Um, we're like a good movie. We're running the emotional highs and lows here. We're just dragging in the audience. So guess <laughs> wait, wait for the climactic ending, guys. It's gonna be <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I um, it's funny. The more people you speak to, um, the different like you, you sort of you learn like how to cater to different personalities and stuff. And I'm enjoying this. You're so laid back and chill and just happy to. Just share. This is great. So, you know, once again, thank you. This is awesome. I'm, <laughs> I'm having fan- a good time too. This is great. I'm fanboying at my own <laughs> at my own work. This is awesome. I love it. Hashtag how good's Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, you fu- so I was going to ask as well. So how's, how's the pandemic times been for you there in the US? Like have you guys, has work sort of slowed down for you or have you been able to keep going through like, okay, or? Yep. It changed everything. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty merciless for us here. Um, Yeah, it changed everything. I I had a part-time job that I was doing and and building a business at the same time. And that part-time job was working with um, really small infants, uh, babies, and and very small toddlers in, in, in this, they call it a gym. It's like a developmental 
growth place where we sing songs and like there's equipment that they can learn like to get to the next developmental phase, whether that's like crawling to walking, that kind of thing. So I was working there and obviously that had to shut down. And um, so that put me at home full time. So it was pretty much delving into building my business full time, but then also put our daughter home too. Um, so she's been in virtual school ever since. So that's been a challenge. That's been a, a big challenge trying to, you know, be her teacher and be there for her whenever she needs um, at the same time as trying to build my business. So, yeah, I, I bet it has. We, um, I, well, I'm very sorry to hear that, you know, the pandemic has uh, affected so many lives in such a negative way. I, it, it breaks my heart to hear, you know, just how weird things have been or how, you know, people losing jobs, people being isolated so they can't visit their family and friends, you know, all these bubbles that we have to have. It's, it's, it's absolutely like, I hate, I hate, I hate, it's like, it's like a handbrake. It just brings you back. But hopefully now we're, we're, we're getting through it and our, our vaccines are starting to roll out now. Like, um, but did you hear about the, the, the terrible, like status of what happened, what's happening in India right now? There are about 400,000 people infected a day at the moment. Oh it's, God. It's absolutely, it's epic. And, um, my heart goes out to all those families out there. Um, I feel like it's, it's just, we go in these waves where it just starts to look like things are finally, you know, about to get better. And then it just like another wave crashes somewhere and it's just, oh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. I, oh, this, this real this podcast really is like a, a screenplay, isn't it? We've got the drama. <laughs> Quick, we need a joke. <laughs> so one of the, one of the, one of the greatest jokes I can think of off the top of my head is, so say if you're in a bar, these days, you know, you got to tailor the jokes or a socially distanced bar. You are, in the first line you go up to someone, you say, excuse me, can you please tell me how much a polar bear weighs? To which they generally reply, oh, I don't know how much. And you said enough to break the ice. Hey, I'm Mitch, can I buy you a drink? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. It's cheesy. And so it's- I used that once. And uh, I got a girl's number and it worked out well. And she was, we dated for a few months. It was awesome. She's, wow. They actually work. And uh, so to all the listeners out there, it's not easy being cheesy like that, but I guarantee you it's well worth it. See, <laughs> anyone who's listened to this knows I like a good pun or a good meme. And it happens to be, you know, oh, every day is pun day Monday, but you know, it, uh, it just happens to be on that day. So this is love cool. a good pun. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm with you. So in terms of all your, your workshops and stuff, how can, how do people find you? And can you talk us more about through well, what your workshops in, involves and sort of how you engage with your clients? Sure. So I usually do about a half hour free consultation just to see if the person is kind of ready enough in the development of their business to where we can have the conversation and really get into the writing about, you know, who your ideal client is and what their pain points are and in the different ways that you can help them and the kind of um, the calls to action, right? Do you have anything set up yet that's going to help them? Do you have workshops? Do you have a, you know, a newsletter they can sign up for? Do you have a, a podcast or a website or, you know, all the different things. Um, so we just have a chat a really laid back chat about just kind of tell me about your business kind of thing. And then I make a determination, which most people are ready um, because the workshop is the first workshop is called connective story brand. And I have a fillable workbook that comes along with that. And um, I just do a, a kind of brief introduction in the beginning, but then we just go ahead and start writing and I've got prompts. I break it down into kind of a three act structure and each act has two parts. And so we just, we just go ahead and write and um, 
get it, get it written. And by the, my goal is that to, by the end, have at least kind of a rough draft of it written so that, um, it can be used as the foundation for your brand. And then the next workshop in the series is a mood boarding class where you take the, like I was saying before, where you just take all the different elements that are in your story and kind of put those in visual form and come up with, you know, like, a, a few fonts that you like that feel that really not just look nice, but that actually kind of evoke the feelings that you're trying to tap into in your ideal client and that what their struggles are right now and photos and images and colors, you know, colors have meanings. It's more than just picking a color scheme that you like, you know, colors have meanings and they evoke certain feelings in people. So we kind of take a deep dive into color theory and um, I have a list of resources of where to look for things like photos and, you know, all, all the sorts of inspirational things that kind of put your story into visual form. It's really cool. So like tackling it in a number of ways, getting engaging in there. So like, I don't know how true it is, but say Robin's egg blue, they're like they're supposed to be like a calming or orange is like, I don't know if it's supposed, I've got no idea, but Scrub said that orange is promotes hostility. So I've got no idea. And then Ted gets punched in the face. Hilarious. <laughs> but um. So that's cool. So what I'll do is at the end of this, we'll, I'll have all of your um, business details and your socials in the bio so people can find the correct spelling. And, and, and if that sounds like something that you guys would like to talk to Heather about, you know, she's more than lovely to speak to, as you can tell. She's an absolute champion and I'm having a great time here. So I might, might take a different approach on this. So each week um, there's a there's a section I do with everyone. We get together, we have a good wine, we have a good whinge or a sukkah, no matter where you are. Um, so Heather, I'd like to ask you, would you like to have a bitchy with Mitchie this week? I would love to. Sounds like fun. So what the idea is, is that we take an issue or, you know, uh, several issues or if you that just absolutely grinds your gears and gets you worked up. So what's what's something lately that's been grinding your gears and you just want to get off your chest. All right. It's on the nerdy theme. So you'll like that. <laughs> awesome. All right. So my daughter, she's eight years old. She loves pretty much all the nerdy stuff. Like she loves Star Wars. She loves, um, you know, like the science fiction genre for, for her age appropriate level. Right. Yep. Um, and she's a hardcore gamer. She absolutely games. She would game all day, every day. If we let her, <laughs> she loves Minecraft. Um, she's even played, and this is super nerdy, but she's even played some world of Warcraft with us. Awesome. <laughs> um, she loves like, you know, I, she's, she's asking for a new game just about every day, but Minecraft is like her, her go-to game among us is a game she loves anyway. So finding clothing for a girl that likes nerdy things is a huge pain point for me. Like, you know, us nerds, we got to represent with our clothing, right? So uh, it's thankfully culture is shifting a little bit here and I, I can usually find myself something, but to have for little girls, you know, you walk in the department store and it's like a sea of pink. And I'm like, my daughter doesn't even like pink, let alone mm -hmm. like trying to find a Minecraft shirt in the girl section. Uh, the first Minecraft shirt I ever bought for her, I had to go into the boys section and, you know, it's cut differently. It's cut, you know, in a more square shape. It doesn't have the sort of curvy shape to it that, you know, girls rock out. So, you know, I was, oh, it just, I was so mad. I was just so mad about that. Like, why, why can't a girl be a gamer and be able to like represent herself in that way by what she wears, you know? And, and the same token, 
why do we not see anything in the boys section with, you know, She-Ra or something? I mean, that show rocks for anybody. I don't know if you've seen the remake of She-Ra, but. I didn't even man, know there was a remake. Oh, that's a, such a good show. I mean, that is such a good show. Um, <sighs> you know, so it's the whole like gender, like cultural things where, you know, pink equals girl and blue equals boy and that, that stuff. That pisses me off so much. Yeah, well, that's that's exactly why we're here to sort of bring this stuff to light. I I agree with you. Like this whole stigma of you know girls must wear pink, boys must wear blue, and uh, the trans community is generally associated with the color purple. And it's just like, well, you know, why is that? I don't know. Like, I, if there's a reasoning behind, it, I'm not sure. But talking about like department stores not having what you need. <laughs> Oh, don't get me started. The other day, the other day I had an absolute fail. So I, I had, I went to the bathroom and I had to use the brush to clean it up. So as I'm doing that, I've let out a sneeze that nearly blew a hole through the wall and the toilet hush, the toilet brush head snapped off. So I started, you know, I was almost crying. It's like, oh. so I had to go to the department store to, uh, just near here to get a new toilet brush. And the cheapest one I could find was $19. So that sneeze cost me $19, which is ridiculous. Damn. And then I had to use the new one to fish the old one out of the out of the bowl. It was ridiculous. I couldn't. I couldn't bloody win. <laughs> it might have been cheaper if you sneezed a hole in the wall to fix the hole in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the last time I'm eating that much pepper on a steak, my lord. It was <laughs> lesson learned. <laughs> but it, it's um talking about like the the clothing availability and stuff in Australia. There's a big like. There's a there's not a big market for it. So you go to like gaming stores like EB Games or there's a pop culture store that I can't think of the name of, but a little, you know, clothing is sort of starting to be on the rise here and there, but there's nothing specific for things like your daughter here that I've seen. Um, so, you know, it must be hard to sort of like, you know, she might be a fan of show ABC and then you got to fish around online somewhere to try and find it, hoping that you get the size right as well. Yeah, it's- exactly. It's tough to shop online, especially for, for a growing kid. You just never know. I mean, I've always been able to find her like Wonder Woman or, you know, Supergirl, like the big ones. But again, those are girls, you know, she likes Black Panther. Can you can you think of a girl's Black Panther shirt out there anywhere? I mean, I've never seen one if there is, you know. Uh, no, I can't. Um, but, you know. Gotta always, change that. Always gotta w- change that. Wakanda forever. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's interesting what they're, what they're talking about maybe doing with Black Panther too. Um, so if it is going to be Shuri, you know, maybe then um, there might be some more things released. I've no idea. But it's, a, you know, after we lost Chadwick, you know, rest mm-hmm. in peace. Sir. Here we go again. Oh, I'm oh, sorry to bring going, it down again. I'm we're sorry. Going, we're, we're, we're bringing it down. Just all, like a good movie. It's all toilet brushes and heartbreak. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the title of the episode. Toilet brushes and heartbreak. <laughs> but, oh, so, so sad. You know, so sad. I'm so sorry. Sad. To, I'm sorry to, to do that. <laughs> I am. Um, but, but, you know, just knowing what Marvel's been able to do at the box office, you know, with the first Black Panther, um, you know, billion dollar franchise, it's, and to take a character that I've always been a fan of, but before that, there wasn't a great deal. Like there was a show, I think, an animated show around 2006. Um, and I'm not sure my comic knowledge on Black Panther isn't the deepest, but he was never really a mainstream one, kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy and whatever Marvel's doing, Kevin Feige must be kept alive at all costs. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. We must protect this man. <laughs> I'll be giving them money for as long as I live and then even further beyond if I can. But um, so we'll talk a little bit about like, the, you know, the nerd side of things. What are, what are three or four favorite uh, things that you're into shows, movies or games, or what are some highlights for you that you really enjoy consuming? Um, so let's see, as far as shows, um, we just got done watching um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. What'd you think? I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. The write, the writing blew me away. I wasn't expecting that level of writing, but damn, that was good. That was really good. I'm a little iffy on like spoiler alert. I won't say too much, but the whole Carter thing. Yeah, I didn't see that she was uh, going to take that direction. In case this is a spoiler, I won't I won't say anything. But it was interesting what right. they did with the character, like Agent Thirteen in the comics was generally always a good like a, a, a hero um but yeah like interesting i mm-hmm. i liked i like the character development that sam goes along and you know finally embraces who he's truly meant to be and what that isaiah bradley storyline absolutely broke my oh heart. my god that just oh that was I, I was not expecting that kind of depth no he was a good actor no. that guy too i thought he oh he's phenomenal emotion. uh i used to watch him in uh alias did you ever watch that show alias yes with jennifer garner yeah, he was her partner. He was oh, so right. good in that. He was that's so good in that. And, and then, had... of course, he's the voice of Martian Manhunter in the Justice League cartoons. I love he's Martian Manhunter is probably my second favorite DC hero. I mean, he can do everything. He's epic. But you know, stay away from open flames, champion. Exactly. I am. Um, yeah, I, I was even so. You know what they've done with this Disney Plus television. So you got um oh the Bad Batch releases today as well. Oh my god, we're gonna binge it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> like drop everything for may the 4th be with you yes yes oh, it's may the 4th here so i'm gonna have to rock some sort of st- i'm not sure what time it releases here but hopefully it's by tonight and i can get stuck here. i love clone wars so that clone was Clone wars was so good so i was not expecting it to be that epic but man was it good another man we must keep alive as well is dave filoni oh oh yeah at all costs I listen. I listen to a podcast called Fat Man Beyond Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin, and it's a it's a nerd and it's a nerd like sort of podcast. And um, Kevin Smith's been in the industry for so long, and he's worked around comics, and you know I'm sure you're familiar with his work. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the way he breaks down every week, and he speaks about you know the prequels and how like you know how everyone thought oh they're sort of mediocre storytelling, or whatever. A lot of people have that opinion. I enjoyed him, but um, the fact that Dave Filoni comes in makes two series that work in with the storyline rebels as well and just absolutely it, it made me go back and watch them again and again and you fall in love with these characters all over again except for jar jar of course but <laughs> they they did their best to try to make him tolerable <laughs> yeah by giving him productively less screen time absolutely <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're like oh god a jar jar episode can we skip this one <laughs> Well, there was like a, 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 I think it was season six or seven that him and Mace Windu went on some adventures and. Oh yeah, that was good. That was really good. And Mace was always my favorite Jedi in the movies because, like, it's not not only is it Samuel Jackson, but they made his story because he's got a purple lightsaber. He was able to tap into the dark side, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, you're doing it for me, Mace. Absolutely. What did you think? So of- yeah, that that Sorry, was you- good. Yeah, yeah, I was just gonna say Mandalorian. Also, of course. Oh, definitely. I mean, just. Uh, like how long do we have to wait for another season of the Mandalorian? Right. I think it's uh yeah, they usually release it around Christmas time. Do they? 
I'm not sure. I don't know. Like with the pandemic and everything, it's it's thrown off all the timelines. But oh, oh. so oh yeah, I heard a theory. Um, I don't know. I think it's like one of the nerd forums on Reddit saying that you know in the episode of Rebels where Ahsoka is rescued by Ezra and then she comes back to life per se. They're saying that in that moment, two uh, storylines branched off. One being the un- the extended universe for Rebels, and then the other being so one was Mandalorian. And the other being like this episode seven, eight, and nine. Mm. I don't know if they're going to branch out and do anything with that, but that idea, that theory to me is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the live action Ahsoka is supposed to be her, isn't it supposed to be her looking for Ezra and Thrawn? That's what I make, heard. It'll make sense. I mean, because you at the end of uh, Rebels, you see like sort of, I guess you call it like wise Ahsoka. She's got the the robe on and she's got the like the staff looking thingy but you know what happens in that time like i the first the first when the green lightsaber sparked up in mandalorian i'm thinking no and i my first thought was is this ezra but then i realized that then i saw the black glove and the in the hand and like, oh you're kidding but just for a second there i'm thinking oh here we go he's our favorite jedi coming back <laughs> And it must have, it was really cool to see. I think Rosario Dawson played her awesomely. And to see yeah, a live action Ahsoka was. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, nerdy goosebumps. This is all, like, I could talk to you for hours about this stuff. Uh, right? Totally. Yeah. Um, I, um, yeah. I mean, we could get off Star Wars and go on to Stranger Things and X Files and what else? Like, that, it, the nerdiness deep. just never ends. <laughs> X Files, that's, that's, uh, that's deep diving. I also. <laughs> I also used to enjoy, to call me a tragic, but I used to always do, I love Stargate, you know, the Richard Dean Anderson, uh, you know, MacGyver style uh, heist they used to pull off and get out of trouble was just hilarious. <laughs> I need to go back and check that out because like I liked the movie a lot, but I think I only checked out like one or two episodes because I was in love with MacGyver when the show was on <laughs> and I just wanted to check it out and see what does this guy look like now? <laughs> but I never got into the show. I need to, I need to give it another chance. Oh yeah. I'll just turn my computer around. I'll show you all my <laughs> DVD collections just over here. And there is uh, the entire series of Stargate. I've got Sanctuary. I've got Dragon Ball Z. I've got, you know, uh, video games here too. Avengers. Like it's just, you know, talking about times before streaming that right there was my pride and joy. And I got another DVD case in the spare room there. And I just look at it and go, oh my Lord, so many hours wasted in front of a television. <laughs> but not I don't really care. wasted. Not I, really wasted. What it, What's something that you came across that really surprised you? Uh, like a movie or a book or something, you just went, I got no idea what to expect. And then you walked out going, holy crap. Hmm. See, this That's is why I like, question. I like people thinking and it's like, I like to get people. Yeah, I surprised me. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think I, I surprised myself with how much I liked the Lord of the Rings movies. Yes. Oh. Um, like I super hardcore, like fangirled out like big time so much. I got a tattoo. I actually have two tattoos that are related to Lord of the Rings. This is how hardcore, like I fanned out and I did not really expect that. I mean, I, I was excited when I heard they were making the movies. I was like, I'd only seen the animated. Have you ever seen the animated cartoons? <laughs> The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. No, um, I haven't. This is really niche, nerdy humor, but they're they're absolutely ridiculous. But that was the only thing that that I had. I'm not really an avid reader because I'm not very you know, like I have concentration issues. So I didn't read a ton. Um, so those were the only things that I had to go off of. And I was like, okay, they're making the movies right now. I've got time. I can get through all three 
you know, Lord of the Rings books. And I did, I read them all before the movies came out and it just like primed me for absolute, like, <laughs> yeah, absolute fandom. Um, then it was all downhill from there. I remember, you know, cause like they were, uh, three years in a row uh that was sort of december christmas releases for memory mm-hmm. and i was a i was just starting high school when the first one came out and um i just remember going i think i went with my brother and we walked out thinking holy crap like all i wanted to do was like you know legolas and we went and we went and tried to learn how to do archery for a time <laughs> of course <laughs> tried to be legolas Why wouldn't you? and ended up more like gimli just short and fat but like <laughs> <laughs> But yes, you wrapped, and then not long after the Two Towers come out, there was a game you could play through the storyline. Whereas the, the the Fellowship of the Ring was like was more like adventure based RPG style, whereas the following two was like fighting and fight, and the same as the Return of the King. And that's that monologue that Aragon gives at the end. Seeing your eyes, the same fear that would take the heart of it. Always goosebumps yeah. to this day. And yeah. then, you know, and then so me being me, I've always. What gets me invested in stories is knowing what happens next. So, you know, the movie ends, credits, but what happens now? And I cannot wait for this uh, Lord of the Rings series to come out. I think it's coming out on Amazon, I believe. I'm so excited. I am so excited. You know, um, we just revisited the trilogy, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. We had, we, with my daughter, she, we've been waiting for her to be old enough to watch it. You know, there's, there's some pretty scary stuff in there. Uh, for an eight-year-old, you know, Um, and last summer we watched the Hobbit films and she did really well with those. She enjoyed those quite a bit. And so this year we decided earlier this year, we decided we'll just try fellowship and just start around fellowship and just see, you know, just see how it goes. And she was absolutely riveted, like completely hooked. She was cheering and like shouting and everything. And it was just like, oh, for me as a parent is probably, (laughs) I was probably happier than like, any dance recital or any, you know, talent show performance she's ever done. Like that, <laughs> I was, I was more proud in those moments. How good's that? I mean, yeah, I'm, it's sort of like you're going, you, you probably look at your husband and you're like, we are doing the right thing here. Whatever this, uh, this equation is, we have to keep going with it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The line must continue. <laughs> the Absolutely. nerd line. Absolutely. I am. Um, is there anything that you're looking forward to coming out this year? Um, well, we already talked about the Bad Batch. That's that's the new. That's the the, the most. Um, I guess the soonest one. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Help me remember what else is coming I'm, out. I'm looking forward to Loki. Um, seeing what oh, they do yeah. with him. Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. He's a bit that's of right. a, he's a bit of an unofficial man crush. I must admit. Um, but yeah, just the way that. To see Loki's character evolve and then tragically passes away. You know, that damn purple Grimace dude again. And then to see the mischievous, you know, Loki at the end of the first Avengers film, like the evil one. I mean, it's going to be interesting. And to see, like, I don't know what you thought, but Owen Wilson's mustache in the in the trailer. It's like, what the hell? How do you get from that to that? That is awesome. <laughs> Owen Wilson. Oh, man. I, I don't know. <laughs> He's just one of those characters like that you just can't imagine out of certain kinds of roles, you know, um, but I'm willing to give it a chance. I'm willing to give it a chance. We'll see. I mean, oh, come on, man. Come on, Loki. <laughs> <Right? laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. That's come pretty- on. <laughs> No, that's pretty good. Oh, I do, I do do it. I used to, when I was a kid, I used to play around with voices and stuff. And uh, the last, uh, in the last episode I did, and like, oh, you got me at my hi ho, Kermit the Frog here. <laughs> now tell me more about yourself, Heather. Like you can, 
you can do Scooby and Shaggy. And I did, I, I learned how to do like a little bit of Beavis and Butthead as well along the years. And it's just fun. It's like, mm-hmm. check it out, Butthead. <laughs> uh, what is it, Beavis? <laughs> Are you threatening me? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. That, that was another thing I was a fan of too. Was love Beavis and Butthead. Is this damn? Right. Is he not? <laughs> God damn. <laughs> <laughs> number one, I order you to go take a number two. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Hilarious. And see, this you were the kind of people I love chatting to because, well, it's like it like to meet like-minded people who are into the same sort of thing as you is the absolute reason I do this. And, um, you know, I'll wrap things up in a second, but I, I absolutely have had a greatest time chatting with you today. All things nerd, uh, all things like storytelling and a bit about your history. It's sort of people like you inspire me because to hear stories of success as, as yours, you know, you started, you know, in college, you know, did the creative writing and then you did the screenplay work and now you're connecting people and entrepreneurs and doing these workshops. And like, it, it makes me, you know, get confidence in the fact that I know I'm on the right path. You know, I'm, I'm following um, my passions and following essentially what I want to be doing. So thank you for lighting the way for people like me who are very like scared and moving forward, but you're absolutely killing it. Um, thank you. Well, you seem like a natural at this too. And I'm not just saying that, like, it's been a really easy conversation. Stop thank it. you for that. No, <laughs> No, I'm serious. You really do seem like a natural. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, um, you know, you'll gain confidence in this. You said this is your first podcast. Hopefully mm-hmm. you'll be peering on many more. So before we go, um, can you just tell us uh, where people can uh, can contact you and find out more about your, your work and your socials and stuff? Absolutely. So the name of my business is Turning Scenes. So that's who I am on Facebook and that's who I am on Instagram, Turning Scenes. Clever name. No keeps it yeah. cinematic so we've had today we've had uh, an intro we've had heartbreak laughter toilet a toilet brush fiasco and we brought it home with a smooth sailing of lord of the rings i think that right there you know what emmys perfect we, ending emmys we're coming we're coming for you guys oscars awards oof it's oscar season and it's raining heather and mitch i'll tell you <laughs> <laughs> i don't know oh, what that amazing. means but... that's that's just so meta we did a storytelling podcast in a storytelling structure credits <laughs> <laughs> but once again thank you for hanging out with me and i'll yeah so guys check out heather's work and um yeah the correct spelling will be in the bio and i appreciate you all listening that's another episode of life to mitch podcast catch us next time